begins with a realization. An epiphany claws its way through a snarl of distractions, emblazoning itself behind your eyelids. Sometimes it's quieter, a nagging dullness in the soul, a kind of fatigue wrought by overstimulation and overprogramming. You're tired. At first, it's just a thought that emerges from the fray, but it becomes a recognition and finally, a reckoning. You look in the world one day and it's plain. It's just three words. I'm not ready. With our attentions wheeling in so many directions, we feel incapable of joy. Amid the proliferation of half-satisfactions and easy pleasures, we, find we hardly feel hungry for real resurrection. Realization of spiritual lethargy persists, lengthens like a shadow, and darkens like a late afternoon in midwinter. That's been my experience. It's been my experience personally. It's been my experience in talking with you. It's been my experience in meeting with so many people. We are tired. We're not tired all the time. 24 hours a day does not present itself with fatigue, though for a few of you it may be that severe. But what I've seen so commonly among so many people is this, this indication sometimes explicitly brought out with those exact words, but sometimes hinted at in a thousand other ways of a deeper sense of fatigue. Weariness may be the better word. And not a physical weariness. In fact, probably with bodies that are yearning for more energy expenditure, but a soul weariness. I find it ironic, don't you, that in a world that has presented itself with more outlets of convenience and more outlets of, of entertainment and pleasure, the soul seems in, in cor correlation to be just that much wearier as well. Why is it that we can spend our entire days sitting down at a desk only to rise from that seat with a deep sense of fatigue? Why has binge watching become such a common expression of how we fill our time, only to rise from the TV without feeling physically refreshed. Yes, I know there's a whole avenue to this discussion about the physical needs of the body, but it feels more than that. That we live in a culture and we live as people amidst half-hearted pleasures and simple distractions that seek to do something with a deeper yearning or boredom or fatigue. The soul is weary. And people are tired. Today begins a journey we'll be taking through this season called Lent. It began on Wednesday 
with something called Ash Wednesday specifically. It kicks off a a 40-day run to Easter of preparation. If you count on a calendar, it's actually 46 days. But Sundays don't count. So good news, you're not in Lent today. But through these Sundays, we'll be looking at this week called Lent. Better put this season, this, 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 this chunk or, or section of time. And we'll be looking at what it is and what it's about and what it has to do with these deeper yearnings of, of, of fatigue and weariness that people often face. Now, from the beginning of time when Jesus has been among us, there have been people whose hearts have been captured by him, people who have fallen in love with him, and people who have sought to give their lives to him. Any time spent in a situation like this, and you're going to hear time and again through a thousand different expressions the importance of, of surrendering yourself or giving your life to Jesus, right? And of course, for many of us, that often translates into a thousand little examples like, I should live this way and I shouldn't live that way. But one of the ways that those early followers of Jesus developed to give their lives to him was through time. Now, if I was to speak of giving your time to Jesus, my gut tells me that most of you would immediately translate that into something like, I need to serve or work at the church or do something like that, which of course could be an expression, but it is so myopic to reduce what it means to to plunge your time into the way of Jesus. Because for those early followers of Jesus, what they did was orient all of time around Jesus. Because to be a follower of Jesus is simply to walk as Jesus did. To identify yourself with him, with his life, and so to take your own life and bring it into conformity, into his way. And so they would do the same with time. Our world today tracks time in many yet uniform ways, counting seconds and minutes and hours and weeks. 365 days a year, beginning on January 1st and going to December 31st. And whatever nation you are in today, despite whatever indigenous calendars they might carry for tradition, there is this uniformity to the way that the world approaches time. But those followers of Jesus did it differently setting up their own calendars, their own ways of marking life and marking season, not by the passage so much of moon or solar cycles, but instead by the revolution of entering into Jesus' life and walking in conformity with him. Because to be a Christian is to walk as Jesus did. And so to step into the pattern of what his life was like and try to identify it by replicating it itself. Which brings us to this season called Lent. A season of time that Christians set apart 
to use to try to walk as Jesus did, to identify with how Jesus lived, and so to experience what he experienced as Christians or little Christs in him. Now, shortly after, one of the most amazing mountaintop experiences that Jesus Jesus had, baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist with the heavens ripped open and God's spirit poured down and the announcement to the world of who he was, the Bible says that the spirit of God cast him into a desert. Mark even gives the sense that it's more than a voluntary act, though he did go willingly and voluntarily but that he was also compelled that God's purpose for him was now to enter a time of starkness, a barrenness, a time of isolation and struggle, and all that words like desert or wilderness or tundra or moor might evoke. Let me read the story to you today. From Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4, if you prefer, the story is almost identical and nearly the same. It says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, He said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Mark will add that the wild animals were there with him. And angels came and attended him. For 40 days, Jesus goes into this desert. Not so much to meet God, but to experience the struggle, the isolation, and the stripping away of all of these things that we fill our life with to prepare himself 
for the purpose and direction for which God had. And so from early on, those who have fallen in love with Jesus and who have sought to give their lives to him have therefore sought to do the same. How do I live as Jesus lived? How do I experience what Jesus experienced? Funny that when we talk that way, often it means we want joy, we want power, we want his spirit, we want resurrection. But to walk like Jesus did and to experience what Jesus experienced also means a journey in the desert. And so for centuries, those who have fallen in love with him have set this time apart, this time called Lent, to journey in the desert as well. Because if we are in Christ, that means we will experience what Jesus did in all of its array. And the question of Lent that seeks to cry out like a voice in the wilderness through all of the distraction and half-hearted pleasures is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to experience what Jesus did? I think of that story of Jesus in the wilderness, which in so many ways I think has a metaphorical representation to things that we'll experience in life as well. A story of something that happened to him, but that has so many touch points to what we will face as well. Jesus found himself in the desert where food is minimal to absent. And water is even less. And in this understatement I love that, that both gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, give, is that after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, as if this had to be said, he was hungry. For those of us who have more calories than we can count... Hunger becomes something that is foreign or a fun aside that we flirt with once in a while before we go to drive through later. But Jesus stripped it away. And so through this season, early believers, those who had fallen in love with Jesus, would also seek to strip away from their life the luxuries the satisfactions, the dependencies, and the things that our lives so often revolve around and that motivate and drive our decisions, stripping them away to experience hunger like Jesus did. For centuries, Christians through this time would fast which most of us associate with food. 
But really to fast is to give anything up, though food being the most common, to give anything up, to strip it away, and to say no to it. To say, no, I am not in servitude to this pleasure. I am not in slavery to this necessity that I arguably am dependent on for life, but it is not my master. I drive it. It does not drive me because I am called by God. And with that higher calling comes a higher drive, a higher motivation than the things we spend our time and money and energy on instead. And so as Christians would seek to walk like Jesus did, they would fill this season with self-denial, with fasting, and refusal of other ways, because through the stripping of away of these things, to remember a calling and dependency on something more. This time that Jesus experienced in the wilderness was a time of loneliness, a time of isolation. Do you ever find yourself in, in this position in the world where, where you go through the course of your day and you don't even feel like you can think? The amount of energy and stimulation, the amount of noise that's going on, even the simple presence of others around you crowding into an emotional space that prevents you from even being able to reflect or to think. Am I alone in this? Or have you experienced it too? The constant chatter of the TV or the radio. The constant dings and bings and pings of Facebook and texts and emails grabbing your attention like mini-bombs going off in your mind every time they want their way the way you find yourself surrounded by the schedules and the activities and the frenetic pace of everyone around you. And even when no demand is placed on you by them, the simple distraction that comes from the others you find in your wake. The time of Lent is a time to remember that we need to be alone. We need to be alone with our thoughts and with our souls, silencing the voices that demand their place. Jesus went into this wilderness alone for 40 days for 40 days, not so much to be in deep communion with God, but to clear away the clutter, to prepare for that time and place, to come to terms with what resides in here 
and in here. I think of this show Survivor, man. Les Stroud, it's not on the air anymore, but it was one of my favorites. It's about this man, this adventurer, a survivalist, who would go into harsh climates, he would go around the globe, living in places for a week at a time, living completely off the land. He would haul the camera equipment. No camera crew would come with him. But in listening to, to some commentary and interviews from him afterwards, and after the show began to sunset, after experiencing the hunger, after experiencing the climate, after experiencing the interaction with, with insect life and lack of sleep and everything else, he said the hardest thing about doing this show and what eventually led me to step away from it was the struggle of being alone. That the week of isolation at a time could feel like enough to drive you mad when you are there with nothing but your thoughts and your heart. It's fascinating to me that as you watch the later episodes, he started to bring someone with him, even though the survival challenges presented themselves harsher if not the same. Why is it that the worst punishment that can be doled out in prison today is solitary confinement? And so we walk around with the earbuds constantly in, with the phone constantly on, with the radio constantly tuned in, and people constantly in our midst so that we never experience alone. And yet in the midst of it, so often feel completely alone. Lent was a time for early Christians to experience what Jesus did, to experience and remember the realization that we are ultimately alone. That whoever we fill our lives with, we travel as autonomous beings, answerable to God on our own, and we'll have to ultimately struggle with things in this world at some core level in ourselves, no matter what other aids and helps others try to give. And for many, it's terrifying because we realize we are not ready. And so early believers would carve this time to experience life and remember like Jesus did the importance of being ready. Because Lent is a journey to death. A journey few want to take. But everyone finds themselves on. 
that no matter how far we try to distance ourselves from the thought or drown it away or keep it at bay through good living and good health and great medical, death comes for us all. For those of you in the room who are in your 80s today, for those of you in the room today who are under a year of age, for those of you in the room who are sick today, for those of you who are currently a shining example of health, death comes for us all. And ultimately, we will face that point alone. And the question of Lent is, are you ready? And so Jesus went into the wilderness. Knowing his destiny knowing the journey his life would take, preparing himself. And instead of fleeing from the question, embracing it, and finding something through that path, something far better and more amazing, than many of us who try to dodge it ever can. He discovered what it means to live not on bread alone, but to live on the will of God and his word itself. He learned what it meant to turn from the, the pursuit of pleasure, of fame, and to seek the glory of God instead. He learned what it meant to be still and know that he is God. And that that makes all the difference on the journey to death. This past week, our oldest member at Fellowship of Faith died. 95 years old. And to the end, sharp, witty, Amazing and so ready to go home. Her name was Nora, Nora Bussy. Her son and daughter-in-law attend with us. I can't tell you how long it was. It really, it, it really blends together for me. It's at least two years, three, maybe five. Her prayer. How much longer do I have to be here? And it wasn't some kind of wilted, defeated, depressive statement. No, sometimes when people say stuff like that, they are trying to dodge life. 
No, no, this wasn't the spirit of it at all. It was a readiness, a realization that death comes for us all. And she was ready. She was ready because she learned through the course of her life what it meant to live not on bread alone, but on something deeper and more. She was ready because she learned what it meant to turn her life from her own agenda to his agenda, seeking his way over her way instead. She learned what it meant to discover unquenchable hope even in the face of death that no longer viewed it as an inevitable terror to be avoided, but as a passage in which she could entrust herself to God. Instead, she died calling out, How long, Lord? Because she was ready. And because of that, she died in peace. No, in joy. More than that, because of that, she lived in peace. Enjoy. For her, it made all the difference. It strikes me today just how much we seek to avoid any mention, thought, or specter of death. Just look at the books we read, all about having our best life now and every other derivative title that you can imagine. It's fascinating to me that in the Middle Ages, those Christians would often write about something else instead. How to die well. Because that is a certainty towards which all of us live. Today we begin this series called Lent, this season called Lent, in which together we too are going to seek to explore and discover just what it was that Jesus experienced in that wilderness and why he did it. These next few weeks, we'll peel back the traditions, the practices, the assumptions and the misconceptions that people have often filled this season with, and hopefully through it all, discovering something so many of us ignore and so many of us forget. Discovering what it truly means to experience what Jesus lived. And we hope that you will just take that journey with us.
So today we're going to commune. And because we'll commune, we'll confess. And we'll confess because though redeemed children of God, we are still sinful children of God. And Lent is a time to come face to face with our sin and its wage called death. To seek God in the midst of it. To seek redemption in his death. Which means life in its stead. Would you rise? Pray what we just saw with me. O Father who forgives, who will forgive, who has forgiven, we return again to acknowledge what we are eager to forget, that our hearts have not forsaken, seeking good apart from you as if we could set you aside to test our sin once more. We have sold sacred hours to search out some relief. In the same barren fields we've so often wandered, we've returned to you empty, only to find in the end you walked those fields with us, offering joy all along. O Father who forgives, Please make us convinced that our sin cannot satisfy, that good come only from you. We rise together now, standing only in your grace, hoping only in your Son. God, the Father in heaven, 
God the Son, Redeemer of the world. God the Holy Spirit. O Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. O Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. O Christ, O Lord, O Christ, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. He took a cup after supper and he gave thanks. He gave it to them and he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Come, do this in remembrance of me. You know what this means? You who are sinners, come and receive forgiveness through the death of Christ. You who are broken, embrace that in Him and find healing through the death of Christ. For those of you who are on the outside, Come discover what it means to be invited to the king's table and find yourself on the inside through the death of Christ. For those of you who are destined for death, come and find meaning and hope in the midst of it through the death of Christ. Welcome to the table of the Lord.